AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Look, there's just no way in the world I'll be able to do this topic justice. I'm apologizing up front that this is just, it's just too much to cover. Now that said... You know where the world's diamonds come from? Russia's one of the biggest countries, followed by Botswana, Democratic Republic of Congo, Canada up there, Angola, South Africa, but mostly Africa and a little bit in Brazil. You know where the world's gold comes from? Mostly Canada and Russia, but really Peru. You know where most of the world's drugs come from? Central and South America. You know where the world's coffee comes from? It only grows at the equator. In between the Tropic of Cancer and Tropic of Capricorn. Now y'all know who live at the Tropic of Cancer and Tropic of Capricorn. You know coffee has its own stock market. It's called the sea market. Like it's, it's one of the largest commodities really in the world. You know how cocaine and crack got to our streets? Because uh, Reagan was afraid of the spread of communism. Yeah. That's the Iran-Contra scandal. Because he backed a rebel force with some money he wasn't supposed to have that he got from selling weapons he wasn't supposed to sell in the first place by negotiating with folks he wasn't supposed to be messing with anyway, which needs its own episode. One would think that if you are the plug, if you are the source (laughs) and the workers for which pull the source out and sell it to the world, one would think you'd be sitting pretty lovely. How come it ain't like that, though? Why these regions that we get most of our stuff from stay in turmoil why are people leaving in droves central america like is it really that bad how did they even get like this 
Is this some wild stuff going on in their hoods? Absolutely. Are they governments corrupt? Absolutely. But yo, so is ours. You know what I'm saying? But why does it feel like somehow they corrupt somehow worse than our corrupt? Are we just, are we just natural? Are we just racist? Like what? It just seemed like just something really going down south of the equator. And this affects you directly. You may not think so. You may not be able to see it off top, but like you have no idea how much other countries' success have to do with your own. But dang, man, Earth, what's really good? That's a good question. And super low-key, don't it kind of sound like pop culture, jazz, hip-hop, working class, you know, essential workers? It seemed like logging factories, coal industry, don't it kind of seem like all the areas that provide most of America with their comfort, most of America with their dances and their music, we don't seem to be able to ever really get ours together. Let me talk to y'all about the global South, hood politics. Now you're so hood right now. Hood politics, y'all. This is a pretty heady episode. I'm not going to, I ain't going to cap. Like this one's really heady because it's just going to take a lot to unpack. And again, like we said in episode one, people have given their life's work to understanding the way that the modern nation state interacts with each other across the globe. You know, just global politics is, it's a lot because it's way too many moving parts. And I don't know what possessed me to take on this topic. Actually, I do know what possessed me to take this topic. It was the COVID response. According to the humanrightswatch.org, I'll put all the links in all this. I'm gonna quote this. The vaccine rollout around the globe has been rife with inequality. According to the research by the agents of France, Presse, right, in high-income nations, such as the United States and members of the European Union, have been getting much more than their fair share of vaccine doses. Despite making up only 16% of the global population, people in high-income nations have gotten 47% of all the vaccine doses. That's in contrast to people in lower income nations who have just got 0.2% of all vaccine doses, despite making up 9% of the world's population. More than a billion doses of coronavirus vaccines have been administrated worldwide, less than five months after the first mass inoculation programs began to roll out. According to the AFP tally, at least one billion two million nine hundred and thirty eight thousand five hundred and forty doses have been administrated in 207 countries and territories according to the tally compiled from official sources more than half 58 percent have been given to three countries listen to me more than half have been given to three countries united states china and india but check this out some countries there's 12 of them They haven't even started vaccinating. Seven in Africa, Tanzania, Madagascar, uh, Chad, Burundi, Central Africa Republic, Eritrea. Man, there's in Samoa, uh, there's one in Asia and Haiti. They haven't even started vaccinating despite the troubles that have now. 
Quoting again, despite the troubles that have plagued it since it was approved for use, the vaccine developed by AstraZeneca and Oxford University is the most widely used so far and has been administrated in three quarters of 156 countries and territories who have started vaccinating. Now, in terms of proportion to population of who have been vaccinated, Israel is in the lead. Nearly six out of every 10 Israelis is fully inoculated. That's followed by the United Arab Emirates with more than 51% of the population that has received at least one. Britain with 49%, US with 42%, Chile with 41%, Uruguay with 32%. And in the EU, 128 million doses have been administrated to 21% of the population. While majority of poor countries have also started the vaccine, mainly thanks to the COVAX program, inoculation is still largely a privilege of high income countries, as defined by the World Bank, which are home of 16% of the world's population, but have administered 47% of the vaccine doses. Now, all these numbers should seem pretty like, well, I mean, well, damn, man, we bought it. You feel me? Like, uh, we got the money for it. That's why we got it. I mean, it just seem it should seem like a one-to-one, right? Well, we have, we can afford more, so we got more. However... If you do it by relation to population, it's like, well, we got more than we need. Now, when the G7 got together in their defense, Biden agreed to buy 50 million doses to give to poor countries, except for Venezuela, nigga, because they under exceptions. They are they under uh, sanctions. Nigga, can, like, can you believe this? Nigga, we gonna buy it, but give it to you, but not y'all. Like this, look, this shit is wild. And if anybody give to them, you got to deal with us, nigga, because like they on they on the shit list right now. Like, God, dog. But the thing is, why can't the rest of the world afford it? And the why is what sparked this whole two parter episode. Like, why, man? How, Sway? How is the world's richest one percent own 43.4 percent of the world's wealth? How? How did we even get here? Like, what is, do you kind of get the feeling in the same way you look around any cities and say, is this, did y'all do this on purpose? Is that, do you have some sort of, is it, does, is this, do this kind of feel like samesies to y'all? Why is there a border crisis? What the hell going on in Central America that y'all can't ever get y'all shit together? Is that really the case? They can't get their shit together? Is that really what's going on? You ever heard of the Northern Triangle? El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras? This whole migrant caravan? What, what, the hell is a, what the hell is a border crisis? What we got to do with it? Why we got to answer this as Americans? How did they even get there? Venezuela, Colombia, like what? Why? And what I'm going to submit to you is it's a very similar reason, maybe not a one-to-one, but a very similar reason as to why our hoods look the way they look. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 
10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Okay, have you ever heard of the word or the phrase third world country? We don't use it no more because it's kind of like we've just evolved past that phrase. But it's a line that came from the Cold War. Uh, We would consider the G7 nations, including ourselves, as first world, which is so lame. They would call Russia somebody like the second world to where it's like, y'all kind of middle class. And then everybody to F else. (laughs) is third world. Now, I'm a quote from the University of Virginia, the Global South Studies, uh, where it says, what or where is the Global South? The Global South as a critical concept has three primary definitions. First, it has been traditionally used within intergovernmental development organizations, primarily those that originated in the non-aligned movement to refer to economically disadvantaged nation states as a post-Cold War alternative to third world. However, in recent years, within a variety of fields, the global South is employed in a post-national sense to address spaces and people negatively impacted by the contemporary capitalist globalization. In the second definition, the global South captures a deterritorialized geography of capitalism's externalities and means to account for the subjugated peoples within borders of wealthier countries, such that there are economic Souths in the geographic North and Norths in the geographic South. Y'all get that right? What they're saying is rich countries have hoods and hood countries got rich folk and the epitaph global is used to unhinge the south from a one-to-one relation to geography in other words what they trying to say is this is the idea of the global haves and have not it's the idea that when you look at how capitalism functions globally 
who gets to work with who, who got the lick, who got the bag, who got the sack, who you selling to, how it's working, and then who are the foot soldiers that make that happen? Who's providing the product, right? That's what a capitalism externality is. It's you don't get to sit at the table and negotiate with the bosses. You just get to go be a foot soldier. And like they said, it's not necessarily geographical per se, but it started off as the idea of such. Y'all following me? For example, South Africa is actually a rather wealthy country. It's in the South, but it also has a remarkable amount of people you would consider part of the global South. Following me? Now, it don't take no rocket science to understand that those with extreme wealth have often accumulated their fortunes on the backs of people around the world who work for poor wages under dangerous conditions. Right. So the wealth divide is not one that's like, okay, this is not this ain't hard for none of y'all. Y'all understand this. But I'd love to step back and say again, how do we even get here? And the way I want to talk about how we even got here is to just sort of drop a pin in specifically Central America and talk about the idea of destabilizing a nation. But the only way to understand that is you have to understand global colonialism going all the way back to the 1700s. The best way to understand this is the Game of Thrones that Europe, the game of empires Europe been playing since the Roman Empire. It's world been playing the Game of Thrones for a long time. Pre the development of what we consider, you know, modern nation states. The greatest lick to ever hit. Listen, hear me, hood. The greatest lick is land. That's the hardest lick you could hit because... Ain't making no more earth. Now, you might be uh, some sort of volcano in the middle of an ocean that's sprouting out new magma and growing new earth. Yeah, okay, you got me there, geologist. But that, somebody probably already owned that. Ain't that crazy? Somebody already owned earth that ain't been made yet. Greatest lick in the world is land. Because everything that come with the land belong to you now. The hard part is finding land that ain't nobody own. <laughs> and if the land that they own, if they are there, I got to overpower them and take it for myself. It's Game of Thrones, dog. And it's been going on for a long time. But I'm going to drop a pin into 14, 15, 1600s. Talk about Portugal. This is post, like we talked about, Doctrine of Discovery, where you're supposed to go expand the kingdoms for the Catholic Church, subdue the nations make disciples of all men, just this weird convolution of uh, a faith that some of us hold dear into this freaking conquering, warmongering, selfish empire building shit that plagues us to this day. Anyway, that was quite a tangent because I just don't come from that tradition. I, we talk about this and introduce myself. I don't come from that tradition. So it's just, it, but it just sucks because that tradition loud and wrong. Anyway, um, and I'm, I'm using the term tradition rather than the person because it's not what we talk about. But again, another tangent. Portugal got down to Africa, North Africa, for the intensive history. They were the first of the European nations to attempt to try to uh, colonize Africa. They were interested in the salt. Yeah. 
they were interested in the culture, the arts, and and a lot of the cultural exchanges between Africa and Europe at first was art. You look at some old, uh, some of the Renaissance painters, and you could see the North African Im- influence, um, West African influence, also on patterns and abstractions, because Africa had been really good at art for a long time. And then somebody discovered nigga gold, (laughs) nigga diamonds, and the most lucrative of all, free labor. And remember, if you already have this idea that the people for which you're working with aren't necessarily people, in their mind, they were clearly uncivilized. Like y'all still, y'all still hunter gatherers, nigga. Y'all still, y'all still hunt animals. The hell wrong with you? Build a fence and put them in the fence. You know, when you when you 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 have these interactions, there's these like amazing stories, uh, which are super interesting about like just the 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 mental capacity and understanding when you had these post-Renaissance, you know, high European civilizations come in contact with peoples of other places that just didn't see the world the way they saw the world, how like confusing it was to both parties. Because check this out, the European thought was like, the land is to do what I tell it to. It's the animals are subjugated to us. So what the hell you doing chasing around a buffalo, what the, what? You know what I'm saying? There's like, why, why, why? We used to do that. We don't anymore. Therefore, you're behind us. That was the idea. There's a story from um, some of the first settlers into the Americas. You know, obviously that the the narrative of like, oh yeah, they taught them how to you know grow corn. And obviously that's stupid, right? But there are stories where these you know certain families interacted with other native families, and it was like, all right, okay, well let's. First of all, I don't understand why you still why you still hunting, but whatever. And then they was like, okay, we're gonna go get some vegetables. And then the Europeans was like, where? And they was like, in the garden. And they was like, nigga, that's a forest. What the hell you mean garden, right? And then the natives would go out into the garden. What looked to the European as so not organized, they was like, no, we grow our crops in rows. You know, the corn, the strawberries, like, what are y'all doing? The natives were like, well, no, you see this corn right here? Around that is that wild grass, and under that are are some wild strawberries. I'm pulling the fruits out of nowhere, but like, just follow the story because this is kind of like how some of these interactions worked. It was like, well, what the natives had figured out because they've been there forever is that the strawberries bring in animals that would eat their crops. So they would smell that, they'd eat the wild grass, get sick, and then learn that you ain't supposed to mess with this plant and that's how they would protect their corn. They use earth to protect earth. To the Europeans, that ain't make no sense. That's why they was building up pesticides and drawing fences and that because you didn't let the land just do what it does. So there was just a fundamental misunderstanding of how both of this shit works, right? And to the conclusion of the European settler was like, oh, well, they primitive. In their mind, they like, yo, you still sacrificing children and animals to the gods for you know crops seeing themselves as so advanced meanwhile they still ain't got a sewage system back in their country and just disease running rapid because all you doing is just throwing trash out the window y'all gotta look up the great uh stink of london you know you, know, you ain't advanced as you think you are they was like oh y'all we you know we're enlightened 
we know not to do that. So they was like, all right, well, you know, maybe we can civilize them. And that's the, the white man's burden I talked about in the first spot. Maybe we could civilize them. These, uh, you know, there's just in the news uh, in Canada, this grave from the Indian schools was this idea that they would have like kill the Indian, save the man. It's the idea of just essentially just like whiten them up. So you send them to these schools to make them more <sighs> civilized. Right. Then they found out with the natives like, yo, nigga, they not they not going to work. They not going to do this. Niggas fight back. Go check out Little Bighorn. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> but another amazing resource was the African slave. So you just take them everywhere that your empire goes. Because again, the slave was a means to an end. The end was the land. And the slave was just a beast of burden. That's the way they see us. We were just beasts of burden. To subdue the actual lick, which was the land and all the resources that come out of it. Intracentral and South America. Nigga, sugar. Europe got hooked because it like, listen, Europe was like, what is this? But it only grew over here in the Americas. It's too cold in Europe. So we need all the land we can to grow this product. So you start colonizing up and down the Americas uh, because it's a lick. But you need somebody to work this land. And that's where the slaves came in. So you started working all this land on this other side of thing. Because, again, it's the idea that, like, the land is the lick. The slave is the cattle. Matter of fact, they called us chattel. Now, think about gentrification. The land's the lick. You understand what I'm saying? You see them billboards yelling cash for homes? Gentrify, baby, gentrify. The land is the lick. Now, I just gave y'all not enough information for to really do this justice, but I got to move on because it's only a 30 minute pot. Now, enter the Cold War. The Cold War is where it gets super psycho because remember the Cold War, proxy wars, all that stuff had really nothing to do with the people and the lands for which the wars were playing out. It was at all times a pissing contest. It was an idea war. The war was what they would say, freedom and democracy versus communism in Russia. At the end of the day, it was a pissing contest. You was trying to figure out who going to be top of the, who's king of the hill, whose ideas work, and ultimately, who get to run the table. Let's just, look, who going to run the table is the point. Y'all know the space race, the race to, the race to get on the moon ain't had shit to do with science or the moon. Nigga, it was a flex. It's so obvious if you pull back and think about it, nigga, it wasn't about getting to space. It was about, I can make bombs. You flexing your technology. You, if I can get on the moon, what you think I could do if, I, if you ever try to throw a bomb at us? It's nuclear. You were showing your guns. That's all they were doing. We just trying to flex on Russia. That's it. It's a flex. As a matter of fact, let me even push you even further. You know the COVID response? A flex. This mug is bragging rights. Follow me. Totalitarian, authoritarian rules versus Western democracies. Who gonna get to the solution first? It's a flex. Because it's all still, these are just modern games of thrones. That's all they are. Now, back to the Cold War. You know, North Korea, South Korea, just as a perfect example of this. That's because at some point, Russia decided, Russia and America decided to go halves on Korea. Right. And they would back Russia would back the north. America and the west would back the south. Right. And that war is not over. It's just an armistice. I don't know if you know that. Part of why North Korea is so always salty at us is, nigga, we still got warships off the side of their coast. It's a flex. 
That's all it was. America front like we ain't never lost no war. It, you know, we still we still undefeated, but you know, Vietnam don't count. Because <laughs> it's like, well, it technically wasn't our war. No, nigga, you jumped in. We lost that mug. You ask any Vietnam War vet, especially by how they was treated when they got home. Oh, nigga, that's an L. But it's a Game of Thrones. But the fear was, we can't let communism, we as in America, take root in the Americas. Because that's too close. Fam, it's Inglewood family in the 90s. Inglewood Saints, like these are, Inglewood is pretty much all bloods. that They are surrounded on every side by Crip gangs. They're like, look, man, we can't, we can't have no other crypt take root over here, dog. This is getting crazy. <laughs> but yeah, at the end of the day, it's because we afraid of Russia. Nigga Cuba, the Bay of Pigs, all this shit. It's, nigga, it's because we, was, we were beefing. And it has shit to do with anybody on the land. Because the land's the lick. I need that. How we gonna get this sugar in our tea? God, dog. So now you big bad America in the 20th century. Nigga, you shining, you shining hard, you stunting on everybody. But so is Russia. So you feel like your world's enemies are. And you real kind of like jumpy. You know when you in the hood and like maybe you had a you had a win and it's like, and then one, one, one nigga say, all right, all right, that's cool. Vato go, okay. Nah, it's cool, eh? Nah, don't trip, fool. You should trip for sure. Nigga, you better trip. So you looking around, you trying to watch everybody's moves, see what's going on, and you trying to like set up shop in different places. Like we talked about another episode, you know, you saying four, five cuz, four, five loke, four, five damus to another city to get it cracking, you know what I'm saying? Because you expanding your resources, you trying to get this shit cracking, right? But if you America, you watching because you know everybody else doing the same. So you looking at like what's going on, Argentina, Bolivia, Brazil, Chile, Costa Rica, Cuba, Dominican Republic, El Salvador, Nicaragua, Panama, Paraguay, Peru like you looking around and like okay what they doing who they putting in charge what does that fool think like is he gonna be cool with us or is he gonna be cool with them you gonna you gonna make it easy for us to like you know set up shop just in case y'all got some money y'all gonna sell with us y'all gonna be you you watching real close you need to know who they mess with and who messing with them and who don't mess with them and all that you need to know you seeing how they moving are they right wing are they left wing are they authoritarian are they democratic that's Nicaragua. Like, this is what happened in Nicaragua. Again, like I said, it's the crack attack. This Nicaragua, you watching real close. You know what I'm saying? And you looking to see on the ground, like, okay, who possibly could I tap? Like, who can I, you know what I'm saying? Who can I recruit? You feel me? Right? Who out there just kind of early? That early is like a, a, a pimp slang, but I, we'll get into that later. Like, basically, you're too young to actually be on the corner, but I'm going to get you ready for it. That's called early. It's terrible. Anyway, um, but you looking around like, all right. And if you see, man, you know what I'm saying, these rebel forces, right, if the rebel force is more right wing than left wing because you're afraid of them left wings because that's going to mess up your money, then you might like low key like start like running down there and being like, yo, we got you, homie. I, I like what y'all doing, man. You fighting for you fighting for this. But if they too far right, then you like, oh, shit, this ain't no democracy. OK, well, let me back these other fools. Or sometimes like with Mossadegh in Iran, you just... You're back both sides. You just, you selling guns to folks because you trying to set up your own shit. And then when the shit get too wild, you send down their uh, uh, humanitarian efforts, right? Peacekeeping uh, uh, forces, 
your, your, you send your American military because, oh, we're just down there trying to keep the peace. We don't want this. Oh, don't it sound like the police in the hood? Don't it sound like that? Oh, we're just keeping peace. You guys just have so much violence out here. We just, we just think you guys should stop killing each other. Dog, I'm telling you, it's the global hood. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash TheShot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Now, check this out. There's an entire phrase that encapsulates all this. It's called the Truman Doctrine. It's this idea of President Harry Truman, who developed this around 1948. And it was the idea of containing communist growth. That was specifically in Greece and Turkey. But the idea is you step into civil wars and you try your best to contain uh, the spread of communism. Now, back to us. Sowing of chaos flipping over regimes, deposing dictators. A lot of times they create this narrative that you are the hero for the people. If you're going to do it out loud, a lot of times you do it behind closed doors. But at the end of the day, for the wealth distribution to stay the way it is, you need workers, You need plantations. You need sharecroppers. Now, I want to talk specifically about El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras, because this is that Northern Triangle and has a direct connection to our border crisis right now. And these are like crude, 
crude, I am not doing these stories justice. They all need their own seven part series. But let me start with El Salvador, right? So there was a bunch of peasant workers uprisings in the country against this oligarchy and like this anti-democratic governments often under control of powerful American company interests like the United Fruit Company. I'm gonna get to that in a second. And with the appearance of figures like Marti, who led these civil revolts, they were violently crushed and efforts to take power democratically were often thwarted by U.S. intervention. And the civil war started spreading with the U.S. endorsed governments in El Salvador facing uh, like guerrilla fighters. Now, let me go back to this United Fruit Company. Um, you ever heard of Chiquita Banana? You heard me right. The Chiquita Banana. You ever heard of the Banana Wars or the Banana Banana Republic? You ever, not the clothing store, but the idea of a Banana Republic? Check this out. Follow me. So the Chiquita Brands International, for some reason, the world got the taste of a banana and was like, nigga, we need these. But they only grew down there. It was an American corporation uh, that traded tropical fruit, right, grown in Latin American plantations and sold in United States and Europe. The company was formed in 1899 and it flourished in the early 20th century and it became control of vast territories and transportation networks in Central America, Caribbean, Colombia, and the West and the West Indies. It was main competition was something that later became the Dole Company for uh, dominance in the international banana trade. And it maintained a virtual monopoly for certain regions, which became called the Banana Republics, such as Honduras, Costa Rica, and Guatemala. Listen, y'all remember the homie Smedley Butler? Me and Robert did a couple episodes about homie. Listen, how he learned how to fight wars Fam, he was in these banana wars. These are wars that are basically because a corporation, American corporations want the money to keep flowing. You need a lot of land to grow bananas. And you also need a lot of people to do that. And you need a lot of land to create trains to transport those bananas, which means you got to buy up. What did I say at the beginning? The land is the lick. You got to buy the whole thing up and you got to have people that work there. So if we in America are making a gang of money off of what this area is producing and I'm seeing these uprisings from the people who are in your American imagination clearly getting their ideas from the communists, from the commies, (laughs) or maybe they just want some rights. I have a vested interest into making sure that this company keep winning. And for this company to keep winning, I need a person in office that's going to make sure that one, you can quell an uprising peacefully. But if you can't, here go some guns. Now, Guatemala, there was another civil war. (laughs) Peasants and workers mostly indigenous descent, uh, revolted on the first half of the 20th century due to horrible, terrible living conditions uh, and abuse from landlords and the government supported by, you guessed it, the United Fruit Company, Chiquita Bananas. Because again, you need land to make the money. And these revolts were like, I mean, brutally, brutally, brutally taken down. They had a situation where all of the country was basically controlled by one or two families. And the rest of the country was like, 
nah, nigga, this ain't it. But it led to the democratic election of this guy named Jacobo uh, Guzman. Yo, Arbenez, my wife will kill me for not knowing how to uh, pronounce that. But check this out. That fool was overthrown by a coup d'etat in 1954, which led to an authoritarian government endorsed by the United States and nearly 40 years of civil war up in this mug. 40 years, fam. Now, Ronald Reagan, like I said before, who did not want the spread of communism to happen near the United States, officially met with a dictator and accused him of crimes against humanity. And then Honduras gave a strong support to his regime. So now Honduras chose a side, which means for America, it's fuck Honduras now. You messing with our money. I need y'all to just, you need to keep sending this money up here. And I don't like the fact that y'all done chose somebody for yourself. So every time, follow me, every time, I'm just dropping into two countries. The hood figure out something to try to take care of themselves. There's a vested interest into making sure that they can't. And what happens when you're in civil war? What happens when you're in destabilized areas? What happens? Nigga, crime. People start figuring out their own ways to make their money. There's numerous ways to make funds. And if you've wiped out all of your land just to grow bananas, nigga, you done terraformed for the worst. You done set yourself up for some serious climate crisis. Now, nigga, we can't grow food. That ain't no jobs. Ain't no stable government. You remember when we talked about a long time ago, this was pre-iHeart, that a, an unstable government fucks up the money. They can't get the bag right. And if you just Guatemalan, you like, nigga, I'm out. You like civilians in the hood. It's like, man, I mean, I'm running from these crips. I'm running from these bloods. I'm running from these essays and the police. Nigga, kick rocks. You know what I'm saying? It just sucks that you run into the same people that caused the problem in the first place. I'm telling you, this shit run deep, dog. You just, there's a financial benefit of keeping these hoods hoods because do we really want them sitting at that table do you want the g7 to be g19 oh man do you really want criminal reform criminal justice reform you really want to compete for these high paying jobs with two people or 12 people i don't know i'm not saying there's people sitting around a big old table deciding all this shit i am saying the system is set up to incentivize those in power to fight to stay in power now, I could, I mean, I'm telling you, man, I could go on and on about America's history of regime change and destabilization in Central and South America. Um, the hand we have, the idea that like we allowed American corporations really to move in and just continue to make problems in their governments. Now, like I said in the hood, American hood, do we have problems? Absolutely. Do they have serious problems? Absolutely. Did it happen in a vacuum? Of course not. Of course not. So when people run into the borders, there's there's a reason for it. Niggas ain't lazy. They're not inept. Just like If you from the hood, nigga, you ain't lazy, man. Some of y'all niggas are just like some of them are, but not the ones that got up, got out and did something or trying to. What was you doing in the hood? You just try to make a better life for yourself. Nigga, that's what they doing. Was half the problems in your hood not your fault, nigga? Yeah, exactly. Just like them. 
does it have a lot to do with powerful regimes trying to protect their power? Nigga, yes. This why it's real weird and, and why like it rubbed me the wrong way when, you know, Auntie Kamala went down there and was like, listen, I know you're thinking about coming, but let me tell you something. Don't come. And I understand what she was trying to say in the sense that like, yo, let us get our stuff together. Like we're not ready. Like we're not ready yet. Like, come on. But I got to tell you, man, when it's coming from a, 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 a regime that is partially responsible for the problem i hear it like hood shit it sounds to me like no we don't want the riffraff in our neighborhood it sounded to me like the west side saying y'all just stay on the east side it's it just it, it well, we're not ready for you we don't have enough housing there's not enough houses we gotta we gotta build infrastructure we're just not ready like really that's what you're saying word well, here, you guys, why don't you invest in your own schools? Why don't you invest in your own community? Word. That's why I sound real weird when Auntie Kamala got up there and said that. I was like, Auntie, you still a cop, ain't you? <laughs> why ain't these people got they... Nigga, it's a global pandemic, man. Why ain't they got their vaccines, nigga? Because the land is the lick. Y'all, this mug was recorded and edited by me, Propaganda, right here in East Los Boyle Heights, Los Angeles. Y'all can follow me at Prop Hip Hop on all the socials. You can follow the Hood Politics Pod itself at Hood Politics Pod, where we be trying to make takes on stuff that aren't really big enough for a whole episode, but definitely needs a little bit of clarity. This mug was scored, edited, mixed, and mastered by the one and only Headlights. Y'all go follow my dog, Matt Oswowski. I still don't know how to say his name. I'm glad he changed it to Headlights. Follow him on his socials at Headlights underscore music. Telling you hear all these new other fly tracks this fool be making. And the theme music was done by the one and only Gold Tips, Gold Tips, DJ Sean P. Y'all remember every time you check in, if you understand the hood, you could understand politics. Shouts to iHeartMedia for making this happen. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. 
Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.